Kia ora, I am Kate. I am a 29-year-old woman from New Zealand who is currently recording this as a test podcast. So I've made some friends in other parts of New Zealand and some in Australia who are all passionate about motorsport and we'd been throwing around the idea of starting a podcast and I just thought why not? I will take this idea and I will absolutely run with it. Um, I have ADHD so it was sort of one of my hyper fixation moments and now I'm just rolling with it and gonna have some fun. Um, with my ADHD my thoughts get really really busy at sometimes and there's so much going on up there so I figured this podcast can help me get my thoughts out of my head and get me on to the next project. Which, fair warning, is gonna be me getting permission to use five to ten second video clips from MotoGP and Dorna to be able to chuck up with this audio up on YouTube. Um, that's gonna be an uphill battle, but yeah, I could do an hour long rant on it, but I will spare you for today. <laughs> Just on that note, with my ADHD, I do not mince my words. I can come across as very blunt and very rude. I do apologize. It's something I'm continuously, continuously working on. Um, but I'm just a very blunt and formal person. That's just part of me. Back to the podcast. So we are currently setting it up. We are getting all the logistics, all the socials and all that jazz uh, formalized. And we're making emails and basically logos and things like that. Um, so we do have a name. We are called Under the Checkered Flag. I'll probably be posting most content over there in the future um, because this is just a test. I thought I'd chuck it on my personal one, um, YouTube, and yeah, it is just a place for me to be able to test out things, make sure my audio is okay, make sure I can actually upload videos, things like that, and I can play around with um, editing and all that software. So the topic that I'm going to have a moral conundrum about today is the FIM and their penalty system. It is clearly not working and something does need to change. The FIM is just simply inconsistent with their penalties. There's no transparency to them and that they're just of such bad quality when they do give them out and the punishment doesn't seem to match the crime quite often. Um, and I don't think the riders, the teams, or if I'm honest, the stewards themselves even know what is really going on. It's, yeah, ridiculous. Um, so I've spoken with a bunch of lawyers, um, just friends of mine, and they've said that legally, Honda can't lose this case. They admittedly are not familiar with the Swiss um, justice system, and by the time you're reading this, then reading this, listening to this, there's probably been an announcement, and it's all out of date anyway. But it doesn't seem like he'll be serving that double long leg penalty. Legally, Honda have done the right thing and raised this issue, which I'm really glad they did. I can't believe it's taken so long for this to actually be an issue. Um, Ethically, it's a lot more confusing because Mark Marquez did take out Miguel Oliveira. He did cause an injury and then Miguel lost the second race. Um, and you can say he lost the sprint and the Grand Prix race 
as well as the race that he was initially taken out in. And we can't ignore the fact that Argentina was wet and Miguel is good in the wet. And it would have been really interesting to see, especially with how much the other Aprilias struggled in Argentina. And I am actually really disappointed that we won't get to see that because, yeah, Miguel is something else to watch in the wet and it's just quite disappointing. But then Mark himself was also out for Argentina and he was also out for Cota. And Cota is obviously one of his favourite tracks. Well, I imagine it's his favourite. It's one of his best tracks. He performs really well there and that can't be ignored. I think that should be taken into account when discussing the ethics of whether he should serve that long lap penalty, double long lap penalty. I don't think he will and I don't blame him in the slightest because if I was him I wouldn't do it because why would you want to? People have already slammed Honda and Mark Marquez in the media because he didn't like they made this appeal even though they have absolutely every single right to do so and I've seen so many comments about people saying oh it's just a sport it's not the law it's like no actually these are the rules and that is all part of it I personally think that well I personally hope that Mark Marquez has learned a very valuable lesson here I know that that man is not used to finishing mid-pack or it's not even mid-pack that he's finishing it's like five or six you know it's the top half and I know that's a new thing for him but realistically with that Honda the way it is and how far behind other bikes on the grid that's what's going to happen he's not going to be able to win any race every race he's not going to be able to podium at some of them and he needs to accept that for the safety of the other riders on track because it's not just him on that track and he really needs to remember that because as we saw um in Portugal he hurt Miguel and this is a really dangerous dangerous sport and people can get really bad injuries uh, look at Paul in Portugal uh, are we even going to see him come back because that was a horrific accident and his injuries are really, really severe. He had to have teeth extracted um, because he couldn't hear properly because of the broken jaw. And we can see these really bad injuries and it's up to each and every rider to try and negate the risk of causing injuries. And yeah, we need Mark Marquez to have learnt a serious lesson here. We need all the riders to have. Because it isn't just about them as an individual person. It's about all of them as riders. And on that note, I really cannot understand why they haven't unionised at least some of the riders. I know half of them don't get along. You know, they're not friends. Um, You don't see any of that fake politeness that you see in Formula One. Um they're honest and I absolutely love that about MotoGP but it's also we need the safety of riders to be the priority because we don't want you know another 2021 um 
another 2012. We just need, you know, a, a delicate fine line balance where we make sure that we reduce the risk as much as possible while still being able to enjoy the racing. And racing incidents are going to occur, but if you're continuously hurting or putting other riders at risk, it does come the point where you need serious consequences to make sure that you learn from that mistake or, you know, something changes within the sport itself as a whole to make sure that we're not seeing serious injuries. Um, for example, I don't think that um, Portimao, Portugal, should be on the calendar for next year if they do not change that gravel. Because if you watch the video back, it does look like when Pole hits that older gravel, though did lay some new gravel, but when he hits that older stuff, that's when he started flipping and that's when the damage was seriously done. And that's not acceptable, especially because the riders had raised the issue previously and nothing was done. And they need to be able to come together um, on serious safety issues like that gravel. All of them were saying it and nothing was done. They need to be prepared to say no. You know, 10 of us aren't going to race if this issue isn't fixed because then things will actually get done and they will be forced to listen to the safety commission, which I think is a really good thing. Um, I'm not really sure why it hasn't happened yet. It, I think um, Alicia, Alicia should um, take the lead because he is clearly someone who is passionate about the safety of riders and I think, yeah, he'd be a great one for it. Not all the riders are going to sign up for it straight away. Um, look at Formula One again. Not all of them signed up for it straight away and yet now I'm pretty sure they're all in it, in the Riders Associate, Drivers Association. Um, it's just one of those things that I think for the safety of everyone should be a thing. Um, but I'm not a rider, so, you know, it's on them. But back to the topic of penalties. I have to admit, I feel quite bad for Joanne Mir and Honda. Um, so Joanne copped a penalty for colliding with Fabio. Quattararo, um, in the Portugal race, no, yes, in the Portugal race, I think it was, it might have been the sprint, oh, I can't remember now, um, but he got a penalty, and then the next couple of races, we saw Luca Marini and Jorge Martin do a really similar move that also ruined someone else's race, but they weren't penalised, and I know the big difference is um, the Honda hit the Yamaha and with the other two it was Ducati on Ducati but I feel like there should really be the consistency here because it doesn't matter that it was Ducati on Ducati it, to me, they still took out a rider from another team like, it wasn't VR46 hitting VR46 so we should have seen that consistency a bit more and it's definitely something that I don't like seeing because it makes me think like, hey, is there some bias towards Ducati or something like that? When I know that's probably not the case, but it does raise these awkward questions because it's so inconsistent. And 
this shouldn't be happening in a top level sport of you know the impressiveness of MotoGP and the what I consider the premier class of motorcycle racing it just really shouldn't be happening there should be some consistency but yeah racing incidents are still going to be racing incidents and I don't think they should be penalized but it is something that I think does need to change especially with the sprint races this year because sorry the sprints this year because really the riders are taking on double the risk I highly doubt they've taken on double the pay which yeah I really don't think that these sprints should have been introduced when the riders were in the middle of a contract period the majority of them um because that just seems really unfair to the riders um but then again so does this whole new format where they're constantly on the edge and constantly pushing all the time it does you know it's a tough pill to swallow i suppose and one other thing on that is the fact that uh, i want to say it was argentina maybe it was the argentina race where we only saw 17 riders start the session and then at Cota we had 13 riders end the session and there's actually been two races this year where points have been left on the table because not enough riders finished a race which is absolutely mind-boggling I just yeah <laughs> it seems absolutely bonkers to me that not enough people are actually finishing the race to collect all the points and especially with only 17 riders starting a race because some are out due to injury in fact all of them you know that's five four five riders were out because of injury and that's not sustainable especially when you're looking at the second half of the season where we have three back-to-back -back races like we have one week and then no break another week no break another week and if someone gets injured right at the start of that period, they're going to miss three Grand Prix races and three sprint races. Sprints. <laughs> and, you know, that's an issue, especially with the fact that they're going to need to be able to get a test rider um, pretty pronto because, yeah, it's that's a three-week period. There's six big events happening and test riders have to be subbed in or another rider has to be subbed in after you know so they can miss one race they can have one race without a rider and then they have to sub someone in and I don't think that's going to be sustainable moving forward because quite frankly I think we're going to run out of test riders I think we probably need to look at talking about the fact that we might need a third rider in teams and then there's also the fact that they don't get a lot of testing time so we can't expect them to jump on the bike on a weekend if they haven't been testing if they're not used to the bike and then expect them to perform it's you know they just won't have had the experience they won't be up to par with the rest of them who are on the bike every weekend and things like that and then there's the whole financial side of that as well is Dawn are going to be stumping up their money and giving more money to teams I don't think so and that runs the risk of how much these teams are willing to 
fork out and put up for MotoGP. Uh, we saw it with Suzuki, and admittedly that wasn't like a financial issue, as far as I'm aware, with them leaving. But I'm a bit concerned about Yamaha, um, because they've only got two bikes on the grid. They're not performing very well. The rule changes don't come in until 2027. Um, hopefully we'll have a clearer picture soon about that, because realistically I can't see them making up the gap to the Ducati speed on the straight, or anyone for that matter, until that law change is coming in, the rule change is coming in. And that's four years away. It's a long time away. And if Yamaha don't start getting some results, which admittedly last weekend they got a podium and that was really good to see. But if they don't start getting those results, you're going to have to wonder if it is financially viable for them to stay in the sport but on that note it does look like we are seeing an uptake in fans which is really positive um we know we've needed it so since we haven't really bounced back from covid with people attending the races and things like that me myself i'm not someone who really enjoys attending the races i would attend testing and I would attend, um, you know, the qualifying sessions just to be able to go and walk around and see the bikes and see the garages and things like that. That side of the sport really interests me. Um, the races I prefer to watch at home because if you're at the race, you don't see everything that's going on. Yeah, there are big screens, but I usually have three screens at homes, well four, I have one with the timings, one of the helicopter, one of the main commentary, and I'll usually throw an onboard up there, um, depending on the track, depending who it is sort of thing, just because I, I want to see it all, and I know I can't absorb it all, but it gives me a way better experience for myself than being at the race. And I know when you go to the races, it's all about the atmosphere and things like that as well. But that's just not why I love motor racing. I love the racing aspect of it and I just wouldn't see enough of it if I was at the race. Um, but it is really good to see more and more fans coming into the sport and basically, yeah, seeing people discover MotoGP and become passionate about it and enjoy it. It's really heartwarming to see because I truly believe that MotoGP is the best racing series there is because of its unpredictability, of its racing, the quality of the racing, um, how many overtakes there are compared to other motorsports. And I'm really happy that this is a positive change that's happening. Um, I do hope that we can keep the authenticity of MotoGP and what created it and the European heritage because we don't want to see it become too American, really. And I have nothing against American things and uh, American people or America as a whole, but I don't want to be seeing the riders being forced to speak English in cooldown rooms because it's just not what makes MotoGP MotoGP. We need to be able to find that balance and yeah, 
I'm hoping that we can keep that while still growing the sport. Stopped recording for a second there because my security camera went off and I thought my dog was coming home. But no, it's just my neighbourhood cat um, going to the toilet right in front of my security camera, so that's funny. Um, so my other topic for me to ramble about today is the promotion of MotoGP at the moment. So I know that we're moving into a brave new world and Donna, MotoGP and everyone are doing their best with the social media side of things. But may I make a recommendation to them that they hire someone good with technology. Um, it's quite frustrating watching the YouTube videos and they are in vertical format because they've just used the same version for TikTok and Instagram and then uploaded it to YouTube but uploaded it as a video rather than a short and it just seems like quite a simple thing um, to someone like me who consumes a lot of content in many different formats and yeah it's just one of those pet peeves I it is frustrating and one video that I'll notice I'll shout out basically is Pecco's crash in Kota there were two angles of it uploaded to YouTube and they were uploaded vertically and I went back because I have video pass I went back and looked at it and then I realized there were only two angles available to view it um, and I think they just focused on getting the content out and up as quickly as possible they didn't think about the quality of the content and while I'm all for that and getting this content out there as quickly as possible I do think that it would be really good if they also then uploaded a better version um, because I wanted to chat with people online and I wanted to talk about exactly when he loses a front tire what we thought caused the accident and when I'm looking back I can clearly well in my personal opinion I can see that he went in wide and you know that's the kind of stuff I want to be able to talk to people about but the reality is that video passes at least where I live $400 it is really expensive and people just don't have that kind of money or why would you want to spend that money when you can get it cheaper somewhere else and I know that video pass offers all the content around mode AGP like all of it <laughs> um, all the press conferences and things like that and I personally think it's worth the money because I can go back and look at those things and because I like MotoGP so much I quite often do go back and look at these things but to a casual fan or new fans it's just not worth the money um, I really think they should probably uh, take just the sprint races and sorry the sprints and just the races and put them behind a much cheaper paywall um, like Formula One is a hundred dollars a year just do something like that so people can watch the races replay the races for a reasonable amount of money because four hundred dollars is a lot of money to a lot of people and it's a lot of money to me and I'm single uh, have a good job and have been working for 14 years of my life you know it's just feels a bit out of touch with the viewership and the audience and 
I don't think Dorna realise how much they're cutting their nose off to spite their face, because all of this is probably done, having such a high paywall, is led to a huge increase in piracy. Um, and I know Dorna take down videos like nobody's business. <laughs> they're definitely one of the worst for it, but, you know, there should be a solution to this, and I can't see why they aren't rolling it out yet. Um, maybe that'll change in 2024 when um, BT Sports and things like that, when those contracts come up. I hope it does because, yeah, at the moment it is such a barrier for people coming into the sport. You see it online all the time. People just aren't going to fork up the money. And if it's not on TV in their area, they're just not going to watch. Um, the only reason I got video passed this year is because in New Zealand there was a big blunder with one of our streaming services, the one that had the rights to MotoGP, so they're stopping streaming halfway through the year. I couldn't find out how I was going to be able to watch it, like it wasn't going to be on TV, there's a big debate about whether it should go free to air or not, and I'm just like, you know what, just take the pill. <laughs> swallow the expense and that's what I did and now here I am creating a podcast because I'm consuming so much MotoGP content I need to get my thoughts out but back to how we're promoting the riders something that I find very peculiar is the fact that every time they do like fan meet and greets and all their promo activity they do it in full leathers <laughs> Like, to me, that is absolutely silly, because they're really warm. <laughs> like, sure, if it's a cold day and the riders want to warm up, but it just seems absolutely silly that they're geared up in the levers in everything when they're not about to hop on a bike um, or anything like that. Like, I'd much rather see them in jeans and, you know, the branded t-shirts of their team. Um, I really quite like Repsol Honda's team wear. It looks really cool. And Aprilia's, for that matter, Factory Aprilia, they look really good. I don't know why we don't have the riders just wearing that stuff and not walking around like they've got all their restricted movement, which, while it does look funny and make for some really good memes, is probably not the most comfortable thing for the riders. And we really should be putting comfort above forcing people to know that these guys are MotoGP riders. Like, people are going to know <laughs> that they're MotoGP riders. And if they're not, there's going to be a link somewhere that says, hey, this is Fabio Quattararo, he's a MotoGP rider. You know, these things are going to happen and be known. But, yeah, everyone likes different things and it should be up to the riders. And for all I know, they're choosing to wear their leathers. Um, rather than being told to, and fair play to them if that's the case. I just think it looks really funny. But, again, I'm not a writer, so. And the final thing I'm going to mention is merchandise. So, I like to think I'm a really good target audience because I have disposable income. Um, I live alone, I work full-time, I own my house, so financially I'm reasonably secure. I'm not a millionaire. <laughs> I fly coach um, when I travel most of the time unless I can manage to squeeze out an upgrade which is very very rare. <laughs> um, I like to buy merch so 
I often shop, so I don't have a particularly favourite rider. I support all of the riders. I love to see them all doing well. Unfortunately, with racing, that doesn't happen. Um, but I also like to buy merch. So I won't just buy one particular rider's merch, I'll, or teams for that matter. Um, I'm a really big fan of Honda and Aprilia and their gear. And so I quite like to buy that. But I know living in New Zealand is has its disadvantages because we are this tiny little country down the bottom of the earth and no one really considers us because we've only got five million people. But it just seems absolutely crazy that buying a lanyard from um, Mark Marquez's store costs $40 on shipping. Like, it shouldn't be that expensive to me. And it doesn't matter if I was buying something really big. So while in the end I did spend the $40 on shipping and I upsold myself because I'm like, okay, if I'm going to spend $40 on shipping just because I want this lanyard, I ended up buying a hat and a t-shirt and things like that. But I feel like there is quite a big gap in the marketing because not only did I have to go directly to the website, you couldn't find a link to it from MotoGP's website itself or MotoGP store. And the MotoGP store, the merchandise store, is really lacking. So I'm honestly surprised that they haven't worked out a deal with the riders because it's the same with Anaya Bastanini. His merch, you have to go onto his site. There's very limited merch available up on MotoGP website. And I imagine it's because they can't come to a deal with commission and things like that for the riders and the teams. But it's 2023. This should be a given. I should just be able to go to MotoGP's website and at least get a link to the merch stores for current riders. Um, but that doesn't seem to be the case. And merch is free advertising. Like, I could be walking around with a Honda top on and people see it out of the corner of their eyes, they don't pay attention to it, but it's still there in their subconscious now. It's like when you see people walking around with Ferrari tops and things like that, that is free advertising. Not only is it free advertising, someone has paid you to advertise for you. Like, it's it's a no-brainer. It's why I was quite surprised when Peko decided to use the number one plate, because these days a lot of the money they make is through merchandising as well. And so he has done the smart thing of still running 63 at the same time. But yeah, it it did take me by surprise. Personally, if I was a racer, I wouldn't take the number one just because of that reason. Like their numbers are so, I don't know if this is the correct word, but synonymous, like you identify a rider from their number a lot of the time. Um, and because I have the memory issues with ADHD, it can get quite confusing for me. So it's quite nice having the numbers, the name and like what the bike looks like. And that's another thing. I'm really sad that we can't seem to get reasonably priced model bikes at the moment. I really hope they make a comeback because yeah, I love the little models. I've actually just um, been doing a bit of renovating on my house and I got some Formula One models, um, which made me think of MotoGP models. And so I've 
dug around on the internet and found one at AliExpress for 30 bucks, and so I've ordered that. But I've just redesigned my entire office so I can display my models, and it's like, this is a great opportunity for people like me who are a little bit obsessed with motorsport, and yeah, it does just seem like while Dorna does make some excellent decisions and I love what they've done with MotoGP and how they've created it, it does seem like they're lacking in that space of things and the only thing I think they're doing worse than that is what they're doing to Moto2 and Moto3 because they're not feeder series, they aren't, you know, um, oh, people don't enter them only to go to MotoGP, they are their own world championships in their own right and it's why we call Valentino Rossi a nine-time world champion because he won in the other classes as well and I don't think we should be pushing Moto3 and Moto2 into the feeder series style thing because they are both unique in their own ways. Moto3 is some of the best racing I watch. It's so much fun to watch. And Moto2 is just kind of like watching dancing, I feel. Um, it can be more predictable, Moto2, but it's really nice in its own way. And yeah, they're just the... That and the fact that they've removed their practices. Why? That feels like a big red flag safety issue. I don't know why that has been done. Um, I think that should change immediately because, yeah, we saw two riders fall off in their warm-up laps, one in Moto3 and one in Moto2, and I don't think that would have happened if they still had, you know, their warm-up sessions. But, again, these are things that I think should change, but whether they will, I don't know. But for safety reasons, I definitely think we should be giving Moto2 and Moto3 their warm-up sessions back. So I'm going to end it here. Um, yeah, so this was my test podcast. Uh, it probably will take a little bit to get the podcast actually up and running, but I'm feeling much better now I've got these thoughts out of my head. I don't know if I'm going to link it to the Discord server, because I don't know. <laughs> it, I wouldn't probably wouldn't have done this without you guys, so thanks for helping me, <laughs> encouraging me to get my thoughts out of my head. And yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs>